Hello everyone. Welcome to Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda. So glad you joined me today. I am Elder Linda. Uh, here on this channel, if you're here for the first time, we read through the scripture together and then we make sure we understand what we're reading and then we make application to our lives. <clears throat> I post a new video every Wednesday, sometimes it's up as late as, um, as early as Tuesday evening. So anyway, give me a thumbs up or subscribe to the channel. I would appreciate it. Um, but last week we were talking about, we were in chapter three, we finished chapter three. And this week we're going to be in chapter four and probably start chapter five. I think we're going to get into uh, the Beatitudes a little bit. <clears throat> so let's start with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would anoint us. Anoint me, oh God, help us to understand your word. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for all those that are listening. Lord, we just pray that you that you help me to present your word, Father, in a simple, simple way. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come in and take over and be the teacher, Lord God. Father, that all who hear your word will be able to understand what you want us to know about your word, oh God. We thank you, we honor you, and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. So we're going to jump right in um, today in chapter uh, four. Last week we talked about, we were in chapter three, and just as, as a review last week, we talked about uh, John the Baptist <clears throat> and how he uh, was preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and uh, how he baptized Jesus. And um, this week we are going to um, get into reading chapter four. So let's just start that. And I have, yes, you can see I have my computer today because um tried to print out my lesson and my printer is acting, um, having some issues today. So didn't get a chance to print out my lesson. So the lesson is on my computer. <clears throat> so that's why we have the computer today instead. So, um, let's start reading and I'm going to do something a little bit different because, um, I want to read from the King James version. As we get into the Beatitudes and all that, I really like, I want to read the King James Version because that's some of the, uh, is key to my concordance is the best, best way I can tell you about it. So when I read the King James Version, if I want to know what the original meaning of something is, uh, I, I go through the King James Version. The New Living Translation, as I said, is good for explaining and helping you to understand the scripture. But when you're really, really trying to study it and see what the original words meant, you want to, to use the King James Version. So that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 4. And it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came... To him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Verse 7, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. <clears throat> now when Jesus had entered, now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtalim, that it might be fulfilled. Here's another one of those prophecies that Matthew points out. This is what it says in your Bible, that it might be fulfilled what which is spoken in Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Nephthalim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and the shadow of death, light is sprung up. And you can find it in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, uh, the scripture that Matthew was referring to here. Verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren. Now, this is the first time he's about to start um, selecting his disciples. He saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, and these were the same two that sometimes referred to as the sons of thunder. <clears throat> uh, they were mending their nets and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. So everybody's finding out what Jesus is doing now. And they brought unto him sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic it says in the uh, King James Version that lunatic means they had they were having ep epileptic seizure, seizures. 
and those who had the palsy, those that were paralyzed, palsy, in other words, that is paralyzed. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis. Decapolis was um, what they called, there was like 10 cities that was to the, um, to the east of Galilee, yeah, to the, east, it was to the east of Galilee, there's like 10 cities, and these were all free cities. So there were 10 cities, and they were called the Decapolis. Um, and from, so he went from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. So there were multitude, great multitudes of people following him from all these different places. Amen. So we're going to stop right there uh, and talk about that a little bit <clears throat> before we go into the next chapter. Okay, so in verse 1, let's go back to verse 1. In verse 1, it talked about Jesus being led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And verse 2 said, he had fast, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hunger. Now, what it doesn't tell us here that in Luke, in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it tells us that Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, number one. So if the Holy Spirit leads you there, he's going to give you what it takes to stand. So Jesus had what it took to stand. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And look at verse, in verse 2. I'm in Luke chapter 4, verse 2. It says, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. He did eat nothing. And when they were ended, afterward, he was hungry. So it doesn't really give that connotation in Matthew that he was tempted for those whole 40 days. But when you read it here in Luke, it looks like he was led in the wilderness by the spirit. And when he got in the spirit, he fasted for 40 days because he was being tempted of the devil for those 40 days. Now, the only part that we get listed here, uh, we get a little insight into this um, this back and forth with, with the devil um, with those three temptations that he gave. But there was probably a lot of other things that he had to uh, confront with the enemy. But they're just not listed because the Lord wanted us to know about this one, about these uh, incidents. So in Matthew chapter... <clears throat> Four, and I just thought that was interesting because actually I've read this a lot of times and I've never noticed that he was actually tempted of the devil at, for 40 days. You know, I just always thought he fasted for 40 days and then the devil came and tempted him. But doesn't look, it's not reading like that from Luke. Look like he was being tempted from the devil the whole 40 days he was out there while he was fasting. Okay, so let's go back to Matthew. And... But one thing we want to notice is that, and, and also bring out, is that God does not tempt us. So he was led in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. God takes us through tests and trials, but he doesn't tempt us as his people. And I want you to also notice that a lot of the scriptures that Jesus used for the temptation was found in Deuteronomy. Like when the devil told him, um, if you're the son of God, you know, because he's hungry. So he told him, if you're the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And Jesus used 
De Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then the devil took him in verse 7. And he said he wanted him to, he said, if you're the son of God, let's go to verse 6. If you're the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. So he's kind of testing Jesus' faith here. You, you really got faith in God, then go ahead and throw yourself down from this pinnacle, because he's going to let the angels catch you after all. Okay, so Jesus again answered him from a scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. And he says, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, don't test God. Don't do things just to see if God's gonna, going to take care of you. And that's actually a good lesson for us to learn, that we should not be doing things that we know are harmful to us saying, well, I'm going to do this and see if God's going to take care of me. I'm going to stick my hand in this thing full of snakes to see if God's going to let these snakes bite me. Okay, that's tempting God. Uh, I'm going to walk out here in the middle of this street to see if God's going to keep these cars from hitting me. Okay, you're tempting God. We're not supposed to do things like that. Okay. <clears throat> it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. God doesn't want us playing games with him. Amen. And then the third one that we have listed here. Uh, Jesus, he told Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So he's telling Jesus right now, I'm, and he actually, God has given um, the devil power over certain things. Because in John chapter 12, verse 31, uh, Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world. So he's the ruler of this world. So he's got a little something that he can give to people, uh, you know, if, you know, to make them serve him, to make it sweet for him. But how many people know that Jesus was already in line to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? He was already in line to own everything. So the enemy here is trying to, to circumvent it or trying to get him to go a shortcut. I give it to you right now. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die to yourself. You can just fall down and worship me and I'll give, you, I'll give you all this. I'll give you these kingdoms right here. So he was trying to get Jesus to do it in a way that was not God's will. And Jesus only did those things that were God's will. So Jesus told him in verse 10, get thee hence or get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. And you'll find that from Deuteronomy 6 verse, um, verse 13. Now, I want you to notice that every time the enemy hit or came at Jesus, he used the scripture and not only notice that he used scripture, but he used Old Testament scriptures. He used the book of Deuteronomy. And why am I stressing that is because, again, I want everyone to know that's listening. The Old Testament is very important as well as the New Testament. Jesus, who is our new covenant, who we are under the new covenant with him. But even him being the, under the new covenant, he, him being the, the avenue for which the new covenant was going to come, reached back into the Old Testament and quoted some scriptures to the enemy that defeated the devil and made the devil have to flee. So if he learned scripture to make the enemy flee, how much more do we need to know scripture to make the enemy flee?
Amen. You need to know, we need to know this word. We need to know this word. This is our, these are weapons. This, the word is a weapon for us. It's a sword for us. And we need to know that word. Amen. So just want to encourage you to get into your whole Bible, read the old and the new Testament, because we need to know the word. So after Satan had did all this tempting to Jesus, and he, he left, and then Lucas said he, he left for, for a season, you know, you know, like he's going to come back and get him again. But here it said he, uh, he left Jesus and the angels came and ministered unto him. And I think I've taught you before how we have angels that are assigned to us. And it doesn't say how many angels came and ministered to Jesus, but they came and ministered to him. And that's their job to minister to us. So again, if you don't know it, I'm telling you now, you have angels that are assigned to you and they watch over you day and night because that's their duty to take care of you. Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> let's look at verse, verse 17. I mean, I'm sorry. Let's look at verse 12. In verse 12, it says, And when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. So Jesus goes to Galilee after he heard John was in prison. And we have in verse 17 how he began to, uh, to preach the word of God. And his ministry actually is starting in Galilee. Now, Galilee, according to uh, commentators, um, Mortier and France, uh, some commentators that they, they indicate that the people in Galilee were mostly Gentiles. But this is where Jesus started his ministry. And the Jews in Judea did not care for the Galileans because they were mostly Gentiles. So, and they felt like they were not cultured. And this is according to the commentary that they weren't cultured or religious. But However, Jesus' ministry started in Galilee and it was very successful. He had multitudes and crowds starting to follow him. He was attracting all these people in Galilee that wanted to hear what he had to say. And I want you to notice in, seven, in verse 17 how John is locked up now. Jesus heard that John has been in prison and Jesus, it's like he picks up where John leaves off. And it says in verse 17, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand so the, the gospel is still being preached it's like it didn't miss a beat okay you locked up john here's somebody else you know and that's how it should be with the word of god if they try and squash us out here there's somebody else that's going to be here that's going to carry the torch amen but this is even more important because john was prophesied that he was going to come before jesus he's going to be the forerunner and now that he's been the forerunner he's prepared the people for jesus saying he's coming now Jesus is here and Jesus tells them, repent, turn around. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Now let's talk about um, how he chose these, the disciples. I thought it was really interesting when I was reading about these disciples, how they so quickly just dropped everything and followed Jesus. And I can't help but think that, that possibly these men uh, had heard about his the preaching of Jesus. They had they had to hear something because I don't think you just follow a stranger, you know, if you don't know anything about him. So they had to have had rumors about him and uh, knew something about him because uh, uh, it was in verse twenty one. 
Verse 18, it says, Jesus walked by the seashore of Galilee and saw two, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother. They were casting their nets. And he told them, follow me and I will make you fishers of man. And immediately, straightway, they left their nets and started following him. And, and the same thing happened for the sons of Zebedee. They dropped their, dropped everything they were doing. In fact, they left their father in the boat and went to help and uh, serve Jesus and, and left everything immediately. So, so these men must have felt compelled. They must have felt a witness. They must have felt something right about what Jesus was saying because they dropped everything and follow him, which is an example for us that we need to drop everything and follow him. Uh, <clears throat> this, um, when he told me he's going to make them fishers of man, there was actually a prophetic reference in Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 16, where God actually, uh, through Jeremiah, prophesied about fishermen being used to find his people. And I don't know if you read this before, but Jeremiah 16, 16 says, but no, I am sending for many fishermen who will catch them, talking about his people, because his people have been scattered, who would catch them, says the Lord. I am sending for hunters who will hunt them down in the mountains, hills, and caves. So his people have been scattered all over the place. The children of Israel have been scattered, and God's prophesying that I'm going to send out some people that's going to be able to find them. You know, fishermen or hunters. And so this is what's happened here. Jesus just told me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to be able to catch men. People. And when we say men, we're talking about mankind. We're not just talking about men. We're talking about men, women, mankind, humanity. So Jesus began in verse 23 to teach in their synagogues. And he was healing people that came to him. And um, and remember, we talked about the synagogues, how God has set that up. Because when the children of Israel in bondage, were in bondage to Babylon, they, um, they started synagogues. And remember, I told you synagogues were uh, places where they, at least you had to have at least 10 uh, married Jews to start a synagogue. And it was just places where they went to study the law of God. And so Jesus began to preach in all these places and in the cities and in the towns. And um, we are going to read just a little bit, starting with um, the Beatitudes. In chapter 5, we're going to go to chapter 5. Now, before we start chapter 5, reading about this beatitude, we're just going to read the first part uh, of chapter 5. We're not Because you know we don't have that much time. But we're going to read the first part of chapter 5. And chapter 5, 6, and 7 is called the Sermon on the Mount. Because Jesus actually preached this Sermon on the Mount. And you're going to find there's like five main uh, messages that Jesus gave here in Matthew that Matthew highlights. And this is the first one. Uh, that Jesus gave first big message that he gave, and when and when you look up the when you think of the beatitudes, what I want you to know is that because when you read this, you're gonna be thinking, oh my gosh, we can't do that. That's not us. Oh my gosh, these are perfect people. But I don't want you to look at it like this is something that I can't attain to, or this is something that I I can't do because you're not you're not supposed to do it. Jesus is giving us a picture in these beatitudes of what we are going to look like. Let me write, I'm going to read to you what the way he gave it to me. It says, what we are about to read is Jesus giving us a mirror as to what we should and what we will look like when he is done with us, baptizing us in the Holy Spirit and baptizing us with fire. Amen. Well, once we go through this process of trial and testing, this is what we're going to look like 
what we're about to read about now. So don't get discouraged if we are not there yet. We are in the process of being changed to his image. And when he is done, we will be and do and act like all these things Jesus is telling us about. We should get excited and not condemned reading the Sermon on the Mount because he is telling us what we will look like as kingdom citizens. Amen? Isn't that great? Because when, when God gave that to me, I said, oh, that makes a lot of sense, Lord. But he's like, give us a picture. This is what a kingdom citizen looks like. Amen? So let's just read the first part about the Beatitudes. And um, we're not going to read the whole chapter 5, and then we're going to stop there. So we're in... Um, Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, 6, and 7. We're going to start in chapter 5. Just read the first few verses. Chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Amen. We're going to stop right there with um, this is what they call the B attitudes and the blessed or the beatitude the greek the original greek for blessed means extremely fortunate supremely blessed you're well off so and happy but it means way more than happy it means that you're extremely fortunate so when we say blessed we're saying extremely fortunate are the poor extremely fortunate are those that mourn you're extremely fortunate because you're going to get something out of that. Amen? And and actually, it's, it's, some of the commentators say that he, uh, Jesus is kind of turning it around on the, um, the scribes and the Pharisees and those that thought they were all that because they really look down on poor people and Jesus is turning it around and saying, mm-mm, mm-mm, the poor people is going to inherit the kingdom. He's like turning everything around and so that they can see it differently. The first one, and, and we'll probably stop after this one, it says, extreme, the extremely fortunate ones, blessed, the extremely fortunate ones, is the poor in the spirit. Why is poor in the spirit extremely, an extremely fortunate person? Because they are going to get the kingdom of heaven. Imagine that. That's their inheritance. And what does it mean? We recognize that to be poor in the spirit means you recognize that you need Jesus. To be poor in spirit, you recognize that you are destitute without him. You recognize that I need you, Lord. I need you. I can't do this without you. 
poor in spirit. I, 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 I need you. I'm desperate for you, Jesus. So those that have that kind of attitude, uh, uh, and, and to be poor, when you look up the word poor, uh, in the concordance, it means that you're, you're like a pauper. You're very a very poor person. Uh, you're a beggar. Poor in the dictionary means to be needy. So yes, God wants us to be needy for us to need him. So if you need him today, guess what? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. God sees you. He hears you. He hears you crying out for him because God's not looking for the arrogant person. He's not looking for the person that don't need him. He's not looking for the person to say, I don't need God. I'm good. I'm a good person. I don't need him. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for the person that says, I'm a sinner. I need you, God. I can't walk this walk without you. I need your help, Jesus. If you don't help me, I'm not going to make it. So when you get broken like that, when you're poor in your spirit like that, Oh, you got oh, you got the you got the ear of heaven. You got Jesus listening to you. Guess who's gonna come to your rescue? Guess who's gonna come to your aid? And who's going to rescue you? So look to the hills from whence your help comes, because your help comes from the Lord. Amen. Because you have let him know that you need him and that you're not leaning on your own strength. You're not leaning on your own abilities. You're not leaning on your own righteousness. Because it says our righteousness is as filthy rags. And when you think you got it made, when you think that you, you're doing pretty good, God is always faithful to show you, ah, you, you, you ain't made, you haven't arrived yet. You still need me. Amen. So let's not get too big for our purchase that we think we don't need Jesus. That we got it all figured out and we know, you know, so what, you know, I don't read my, I know this word. I've read the Bible. Okay. That means nothing if you're not still leaning on him. He still wants us to lean on him, to trust in him, depend on him, to know that he is our source. Amen. He's not going to let us take his glory. He's our source. He wants us to stay humble. He wants us to stay poor in spirit. He wants us to need him. Amen. Amen. So we're going to stop right there. Um, I want to just remember to invite you to the channel. On the channel, we have a playlist on the channel. Um, called the Sinner's Prayer, and in this on that playlist, when you go on the channel, read through the Bible with Elder Linda, and click on the playlist called the Sinner's Prayer, there'll be an explanation as to why you need Jesus and why you um why you give your life to Him, and explains all that to you. Actually, doesn't have a lot of scriptures with the sinner, with that explanation with that video, but then there's a second video on that same playlist called Teaching About Salvation, uh, in which we go into the scriptures explaining your salvation experience, giving you all the scriptures, you'll understand what's going on with you and why should you accept Christ into your life. And once you accept him in your, into your heart, what happens? Amen. So all that's in there. So please go on there on that on my channel. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, time is winding up. Please get to know him as your Lord and Savior because there is, uh, you'll be led to him on that in those videos. Amen. Amen. So uh, let's say a word of prayer as we close up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Lord God. Father, and, and that you cause us to continue to recognize that we need you, God. We need you, Jesus. Lord, don't let us get so big, Lord God, that we forget how much we need you. Keep us humble. Keep us poor in spirit. Father, that we forever will cry out to you, recognizing, oh God, that we can do nothing without you, O oh God. 
that we need you every moment, every hour of the day. Be with us, oh God. Help us, oh God. Don't give up on us, Jesus. We love you so much. And we praise you, we honor you, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you, and I will see you next week.